0: And as we read, I want you to consider this God of whom David speaks, to whom David speaks. For the choir director, a psalm of David. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are ultimately acquainted with all my ways Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain to it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be night, even darkness is not dark to you and the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. Let's pray and ask that God would bless our time. Father, we are glad that we have such a Redeemer who, as we grow in our knowledge of You, You strengthen us and You encourage us and You comfort us. You, you, you place our souls upon a, an immovable rock as we know You. We're thankful to have such a God. Lord, we're glad that You are who you are, and that you're, you're not like the false idols and imaginations of men. It would be cruel, unjust tyranny to have to live under the reign of, of any idol that we would imagine in our minds. Lord, we are glad to live under your rule and reign of peace and joy. Lord, you give us confidence and strength when we fix our attention upon you and all of the all of the busyness and all of the strife and all of the contention of the world, everything that fills the minds of men, Lord, it, it must take a back seat as we consider you and who you are. I ask, Lord, that you would, you would do that for us over the next few minutes. Just let us bask in your goodness and your glory. We ask all of this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, that he might be glorified in our midst. Amen. We're going to be looking at chapter 14 in the study, Knowing the Living God on the Attributes of God. The title for this week is God is Omnipresent. God is Omnipresent. I have very few notes, and so I don't think that this should take very long. Some of you might have time to get out of here and go see... Paul, Watcher fill-in for John MacArthur on the live stream. But, before we get there, I want us to consider God. We begin with the word, as always. The word omnipresent comes from the Latin word omnipresens. Omnis, referring to all, and presens, meaning present. Remember, children, omni means all. Whenever you see omni, think all. Omnipresent is our study tonight. That means God is present in all places. We saw before omnipotent. God is all powerful. Eventually we'll see omniscient or omniscient, meaning God is all knowing. When you see omni, think all. So to say that God is omnipresent refers to the state of being present everywhere at once. When the Bible speaks of God as omnipresent, it means that He is always present in every place in His fullness. Omnipresence does not mean that part of God is in China and another part of God is in England, but that all of God is everywhere at once. Often, I think, when we imagine the omnipresence of God, which is beyond our experience, this is something we, we take by faith and understand by faith because we don't know, we, we can't uh, identify with omnipresence. As David said in Psalm 139, 6, such knowledge is too wonderful me, for me, it's too high, I cannot attain to it. We don't understand omnipresence. And oftentimes when we try to imagine what the omnipresence of God means, we, we, we picture it almost as if God is in all places in a general sense and therefore He's actually in no place in particular. Almost like the idea of God just sort of lives in the hearts of those Uh, of of His people, wherever they are, wherever somebody might have the idea of God. Well, there, God sort of is in in notional form, but what that really means is He's nowhere in particular. Like we would say, um, something that is one size fits all actually fits nobody. Um, If God is everywhere, He's not really anywhere in particular. We might... Imagine that since God cannot be confined to a single locality, that He's really nowhere. Well, that's, that's not what omnipresence is. That, that couldn't be further from the truth. Though God does transcend the concepts of spatial limitations, remember that He is perfect and He is undivided. So the fullness of who God is, we, we could say... All of God is always and completely, really, in every particular place. Or as one writer pointed out, it might be better, to, rather than saying God is in every place and in every time, it might be better to say God is with every place or with every time. God is exalted above the limitations of space. And so there is a sense in which we somebody might say God is actually nowhere. There's not one point where you can go and find Him as if He were not somewhere else. He's not confined to a place. But really the truth is, all of God is in every place all at once. I'll continue reading. Although the universe itself cannot contain God, God is present in all His fullness in every place. For the Christian, the omniscience of God instills great confidence and comfort. Every believer from the greatest to the smallest benefits from God's undivided presence. No matter where you are, no matter who you are, you can can have the full undivided presence of God. The flip side of that is for the unbeliever, the omnipresence of God instills terror because there's no possibility of hiding or escaping from His presence. You can't get away from God. There's nowhere you can go to hide from God. Some people all might have in their minds this idea that, well, once they die, they'll be out of the purview of God, or they'll once they're buried, God won't be able to find them then, and that's not true. You, you can't get away from God, because He's omnipresent. And we can again draw a connection between this attribute of God's and other attributes that we've seen. Remember we've said that God is perfect. God is complete. Well, God would not be perfect if there were some place where God could not be or where God could not go. If we could leave His presence, if we as a creature could escape the presence of God, well, then He wouldn't really be perfect. We've seen that God is omnipotent. Well, God would not really be omnipotent if there were some place where His power, which is Himself, if there were some place His power could not be exercised. He wouldn't really be omnipotent. Some uh, deists believe that the omnipotence of God allows God to be really, really, really far away from His creation, but He can still work in His creation because He's omnipotent. He's, He's not near We would say, no, God is transcendent. He is both near and far at the same time. God is sovereign, but God would not be sovereign if there were some place where He could not execute His sovereign rule. We've said that God is independent, but God would not really be independent if anything that He desired to do was contingent upon a creature finding themselves into the place where God is. He would be waiting on us to get near to Him, wherever He might be. We've said that God is immutable. But God would not really be immutable or unchangeable if He could move from this place to this place. We would say, well, He just changed. He changed locations. He went from here to there. When we say God is omnipresent, we're saying, no, God doesn't go from here to there. God is in His fullness always, eternally, here and there. We could go on down the line. All of God's attributes, they, they come together to, to, to create this, this tapestry that we know as the God of the Bible. Hopefully you're seeing none of these attributes that are revealed in Scripture are dispensable. There are none of them that we can say, well, I'm orthodox, I just don't really believe in this one, I don't really believe that one. We do study them in pieces, but God is not a piecemeal God. He's not pieced together. You pull one of these attributes like a thread. You pull one of them. The whole thing comes unraveled. They all fit together. They all work together. So let's look at some scriptures. The first one is 1 Kings chapter 8. So you can turn there. 1 Kings chapter 8. This is Solomon's prayer of dedicating the temple, and he's going to make a statement about God. And and then the question that we are to answer is, what does this teach us about the omnipresence of God? And then a related point, perhaps an application, is this question. Should we think that God is somehow confined to our modern-day church buildings? So pay attention to what Solomon says. This is 1 Kings 8, 27. But will God indeed dwell on earth? It's, it's a fascinatingly ironic. They've just spent all of this time and all of this money building this lavish temple. And Solomon's praying. And Solomon knows that there, there is a, 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 a bit of irony here. After all this, is God really going to dwell in a temple? Is is he really going to come down and, and be confined to this place? Will God indeed dwell on earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house which I have built. Solomon probably felt pretty small. He references the highest heavens, which at the very least we could say would be an incomprehensible expanse. To the human mind. He says the highest heavens cannot, it's a negative, cannot contain God. Remember, God is infinite, which means God cannot be limited. God cannot be confined. That's what Solomon is saying here. The highest heavens cannot contain God. Because God is infinite, therefore with regard to what we would call space, He's omnipresent. He can't be contained by it. God cannot be confined to the largest imaginable space in the human mind. Therefore, He must fill all known space at once. He's everywhere. You look up sometime a documentary with somebody trying to explain the size of the universe. They're 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 talking about numbers. We we can't even. You're like you're just guessing. <laughs> you, you just throw out the biggest number you can think of. They're trying to describe what, what we have discovered of the universe. It can't contain God. It's not like God is inside of it. No, God is, He transcends it all and He fills all. So, then the question with regard to our church buildings, is God confined to our church buildings? Of course not. Of course not. Now, there are some who would take that truth and go in the wrong direction. They would say, since God is not confined to a church building, therefore it's pretty irrelevant whether or not we would gather in a building or some place with the saints of God. Does God's omniscience imply that gathering to worship with the saints is actually unnecessary? Can I not just sit at home, is God not at my house? Is God not out in the woods? Is God not at the ocean? Can I not do that? Well, the answer is not at all. It does not imply that we shouldn't gather with the saints. It should actually increase our desire and anticipation and expectation when we do gather. Because God has explicitly commanded us to gather and He promises to bless our gathering in a special way, beyond what we would expect in the general omnipresence of God. To say that God is omnipresent, that God is in all places, does not mean that He's in all places in the same way. He manifests His self, His presence in different places, in different ways. Herman Boving says, God is present in hell as well as in heaven. In the wicked as well as in the pious. In places of filth and darkness as well as in palaces of light. God is everywhere. But we would not say God is present in hell in the same way that He's present in heaven. But if we say He's omnipresent, we have to say He's everywhere. You can't escape God. So the omnipresence of God actually amplifies the urge that we should have to gather into a place, whether it's a building or whether it's outside under a tree, whatever it might be, to gather with the saints, not because of the place. The, the place is not the relevant thing. The, play, the, 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 the special nature of it comes because God has commanded it, because it's obedience, and because He's promised His blessing with His people. A special blessing. It's better In other words, is God everywhere? Of course He is. But His presence is manifested in a better way, a more special way, when His saints gather. That's that's why we gather. That's one of the reasons we believe or put a high priority on gathering with the saints. So, no, God is not confined to church buildings. The second uh, category in the following Scriptures are found several important texts regarding The omnipresence of God and its implications for all men. So let's look at these. We were at Psalm 139. We can turn back there. Psalm 139, verses 7 to 10. David asks again, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me, and your right hand will lay hold of me. We learn here there's nowhere that we can go that is, quote, away from God. You can't get away from God. No matter our situation, God is present in all of His fullness. And He makes these references here. Your hand will lead me. God's God's tender willingness to guide His people, His wandering people. Your right hand will lay hold on me, the strength of God, for our protection and our guidance. He's with us. God's omnipresence is not giving aid to God as if He needed His omnipresence. His omnipresence is an aid to us. It's a blessing to us. He's not confined to spaces, but we are. So it is a blessing to us to know God is everywhere. The next one is Jeremiah 23, verses 23 and 24. And here God speaks with rhetorical question. Am I a God who is near, declares the Lord, and not a God far off? Can a man hide himself in hiding places so I do not see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill the heavens and the earth, declares the Lord. He asks it like it's, it's a given. If there is a God, He's everywhere. He's omnipresent. Would, would, be, would we be so foolish to, to think that He's near, but He's not far? or That He's far, but He's not near? That there's somewhere we can go to get away from Him? That we can hide from Him? It doesn't make any sense. We could turn these around and put them in the form of assertions. God is a God who is near, and He is a God who is far off. No one can hide themselves so that God can't see them. And yes, God fills the heavens and the earth. Now, when you hear the heavens and the earth, your mind should go back to Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is the fullness of creation. All creation. God says, I fill heaven and earth. Bavink again. Though His nature has need of neither... Heaven nor earth, He fills them both with His presence and power. God doesn't need the heavens and the earth, but He fills them. God is always near and also transcendently far away, far high above us in power and glory and majesty. No one can escape God's presence, no one can leave God's sight. God always watches, always sees, always hears, always knows. The next text is Acts 17, verses 24 to 28. Paul says, The God who made the world and all things in it, since He is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is He served by human hands as though He needed anything, since He Himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. And He made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek God. And if perhaps they might grope for Him and find Him, though He is not far from each one of us, for in Him we live and move and exist, as even some of your own poets have said, for we also are His children. What do we learn here? Again, like with Solomon, God does not dwell in temples made by hands. And God is always near to those who seek Him. I think it's amazing that Paul says that God appointed the boundaries of men's habitation that they would seek God. That that we would seek Him. That's what God wants. God desires that. God's not hiding. If you're not a Christian you'll often hear us say things like, go to God or seek the Lord while He may be found. You need to understand, and based on what Paul's saying here, we're not sending you on a scavenger hunt. Go see if you can find the clues. what Paul says here is, for those who seek, God is right there. He's near. You look. There He is. He's not hiding. God is a God at hand for those who seek Him. This is a spiritual seeking. It's not go see if you can find Him somewhere in, in creation. Why? Because He's everywhere. You don't have to go anywhere to find Him. It's a spiritual seeking. There, there are other religions that require pilgrimages to certain places. You've got to go to this place or that place to experience God or, or earn points with God. That's not Christianity. God says, when you look, right there I am. And He beckons people to come and look and seek Him spiritually, which would be through repentance and faith, trusting in Him and what He's revealed of Himself. And there's a note here. He says, the phrase, in Him we we live and move and exist, or literally are, move and are, is extremely important. In verse 28, whether man acknowledges it or not, the reality of God is inescapable. There is no place that He is not. Furthermore, all things were made by Him and continue to be sustained by Him. He set the universe in motion and sustains it. The most colossal star and the smallest particle exist because of Him. The life of every creature, great or small, is dependent upon Him. And in my workbook, I I had made a note. I guess this sort of tells you about the time that I was going through this study myself, when it said the smallest particle, I underlined it and uh, wrote 320, which would have been March 20th, which was when lockdowns began in response to the COVID-19 virus that we all remember. God is in control of the tiniest particle. Where'd it come from? God's in control of it. It doesn't matter. It, it, it can't, those things can't be apart from... God, Bavink again, every particle of matter and every point of space require God's immensity to sustain them in their existence, God is everywhere, anything that is in all the universe, anything that is only has its existence because all of God in His fullness is there sustaining its being. If He doesn't sustain it by the word of His power, it ceases to be. Most colossal star, smallest particle, cannot exist apart from God. Third heading. The following scriptures contain fundamental truths about the omnipresence of God with a special reference or emphasis regarding its significance for his people. First is Deuteronomy four seven. Deuteronomy chapter four, verse seven for what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as is the Lord our God? whenever we call on Him. Now we would say, wait a second, God's omnipresent. God is in His fullness with every nation. God is everywhere. So we have to conclude that what's being uh, described here, because it's in the form of a rhetorical question, that the answer is obviously, there is no nation like this that has God near like this. In other words... There is a special presence of God with His people. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. That doesn't mean He's everywhere in the same way. God blesses His people with special manifestations of His presence. That must be the meaning. You see, He always stands ready to hear and answer the prayers of His people. God is near whenever we call on Him. When you call, there He is. You don't have to wait. There's no dial tone. There's no operator. When you call upon Him, there He is because He's everywhere. He doesn't have to get to you. He's there. He's omnipresent. Psalm 46.1. Psalm 46.1. God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble. So again, because God is omnipresent, wherever His people may find themselves in need, He is near them, especially in trouble. Paul says, I I find it a law within myself that whenever I would uh, seek to do good, evil lies close at hand. Well, we pair this verse with that one and we could say, and when evil lies close at hand, when there is trouble and temptation, God is near." for his people in trouble. It's not as though he waits for the trouble and then he has to get to you. No, he's near, especially in the trouble to help and to be a refuge and strength. Psalm one hundred forty five verses eighteen and nineteen. The Lord is near to all who call upon Him. To all who call upon Him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear Him. He He will also hear their cry and will save them. Again, because God is omnipresent, those who call upon Him in truth, according to the truth of who He is, in sincerity... Can trust that He is near them, that He will hear them, that He will save them. Calvin says God will accommodate Himself to the desires of all who fear Him. He's already proven His willingness toward infinite condescension. Then He will continue to accommodate Himself to our needs for all who fear Him. And He can do that because He's everywhere. Wherever we might need Him, there He is. Isaiah 43, verses 1 and 2. You'll recognize... The words, I think, of these two verses. But now thus says the Lord your Creator, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by my name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. In other words, because God is omnipresent, we can trust that He is with His people in every trial and every adversity. We think of passing through rivers and things like that. We imagine the children of Israel when we hear of the flame will not burn you. We think of uh, the three Hebrew children in the midst of the, the fiery furnace and there was one like a son of man with them. That, that is a, a picture of, of the the place, the status of every believer in the furnace of affliction, in the trial. Christ is there, right there with His people. And then there's Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In other words, Christ... As God is with His people in all places, at all times, until the end of the age. We could add to this text like where two or three are gathered in my name. There am I in the midst of them. We could go to uh, Revelation 2 and 3. We see Christ walking in the midst of the lampstands. He's with His churches. In every one of them, He says, I know your works because I'm there. I see. I hear. And specifically here we have the promised presence of God specifically giving us His power in making disciples among the nations, fulfilling the Great Commission. He's with us and His power is with us. The the omnipresence of God should not lead us to imagine that God is just sort of like a fly on every wall, in every room, in every building, in every place... He's just sort of there, but just watching, just, just observing. Now, it is true that God is present in every place. It is true that He is watching, listening, hearing all things. All those things are true. But the omnipresence of God also teaches us that God's omnipotent grace is near and available to all of the people of God, individuals or churches, in order to see God's kingdom come and His will being worked out on earth as it is in heaven. In, in other words, because of the attributes of God are, are ultimately one in God, God's omnipresence and God's omnipotence are never separated. The fact that God is everywhere and that God is pure act, they're never separated. Wherever God is, He's there to be power for His people and strength for His people. And so when it comes to the, the Great Commission or whatever role that we might play in the Great Commission, making disciples, evangelizing the nations, wherever you go, whatever you're doing in that capacity, you can trust Christ is there with you all of His essence, all of His power available for the taking in that. That's what He's saying there. So then, with the weakest saints, we can trust that God is near. I'm going to read a text from Isaiah 59. The weakest saints can trust God is near. Those who believe that you're you're getting away with some secret sin? You're not. God is near. God is wherever you are. Isaiah 59, 2 says, Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden His face so that He does not hear. And some people might read that and say, Well, see right there, if I sin, all of a sudden God can't catch me, can't see me. A wall has come up, and he, now I'm under the cover of my sin, which is absolute foolish no God is everywhere it's talking about a spiritual separation not physical one, one writer points out what do we typically do with our sin we don't, want our, we don't want to parade our sin in the street so we go in the house God's in the house we don't want to do it in the house so we go in the bedroom to hide it even further we're ashamed in the bedroom so we go in the closet we hide it even further we're shamed in the closet, so then we go down in the deepest, darkest places in our own hearts. We say, surely nobody will find out my sin. God's there. He's there. He knows it all. He sees it all. The only logical response is to go to God. Don't run from Him. You can't get away from Him. Ask Jonah. You're not going to get away. Go to Him. With His churches... All around the world, God is near. If they're growing, flourishing, vibrant churches, it's because God is there. If they're struggling, suffering, afflicted churches, God is there. And so we can pray for our brothers and sisters around the world knowing wherever they are, God is already there. We're not sending Him on an errand. He's already there near with His people. Wherever you might be in a time of temptation or trial, God is there. You can pray where you stand at any place and God is there. He's near. Wherever you might have succeeded in overcoming a temptation or a sin, maybe you make it through a trial and you say, I I didn't get in. It's because God was there. God was near. He was your aid. So this week, at work, God is there. On the car ride to work, God is there. Ladies, as you're managing your homes, God is there. If you're at the store, God is there. If you're fellowshipping with other saints, God is there. God is and will be everywhere, always near to His people. He's everywhere, but He lends His special presence and power to His people. His omnipresence is a blessing to us. It should be a comfort to us.